What's up, guys? Welcome to the Straw Hat Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I am your host, John Chan. I am currently a white belt here to serve white belts and up information from the best competitors as well as different other black belts on how to become a better jiu-jitsu player in your beginning stages of your jiu-jitsu career. So stay tuned, watch this podcast, share it, like it, and critique how I can do better. On to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Straw Hat Jiu-Jitsu. Today we have a great guest today, uh, coming from Aries Jiu-Jitsu, Dallas, Texas, multiple IBJJF Open Gold champ, four to five fight to win fights, especially uh, the one that she just won with uh, Lauren from 10th Planet, uh, wrestling state champ, uh, no gi in gi world champ 2018. She took silver in 2019 no gi worlds, silver at Pan Am's, brown belt at, um, this year, right? January 2020. I got in December. Yeah. Oh, in December. Right. Right. Yes. And uh, and again, she she won her uh, recent uh, who's number one super fight with a rear naked choke. Um, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the up and coming stars in the jujitsu community, the beautiful, the deadly Jessica Crane. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be on here. I'm excited to talk. <laughs> Is this your first? Uh, <laughs> is this your first podcast? Yes, it is. I'm a, a little nervous. <laughs> no, worry. this is my first uh, episode of the podcast, so it's a uh, first for everyone. So, this is the first installation of uh, the White Belt series. What we're going to be talking here, uh, just a structured, um, question-based uh, interview about your white belt journey, green belt to even uh, a new blue belt. So uh, let's get right into it. So first question, give us a little intro about yourself for the viewers who do not know who you are, uh, how you started jujitsu and who introduced you to it. Um, I am a 19 year old brown belt out of Aries. I train under Marcus Adelante. I started when I was six years old, so May was 13 years of training for me. Uh, I started because one of my mom's friends, uh, her husband, opened a gym, and she wanted my brothers and my dad to join. And so they they started the first class. And after the first class, uh, my dad kind of mentioned me trying it out, and I was super girly, super quiet. Like, that wasn't anything I thought I would ever do. And uh, my dad convinced my mom to let me try it. And I just fell in love with it. And so that's how I started. And I've been competing 13 years. And yeah, now I'm ranked, I think I'm number six in the 115 weight class for the flow rankings in Nogi. And yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit about myself and how I started. How old were you when you uh, started? I was six, uh, six years old when I started training. Yeah, I was digging through um, your Instagram and uh, I saw that you were you started doing jujitsu right when uh, Ty and uh, Cade Rutulo when you guys were like yeah like tiny tiny kids. I was like, wow, yeah, that's that's crazy. 
Yeah, I'm super lucky. Like a lot of um, people that I grew up with, like Ty, you know, Jessa, a lot of the younger kids like William, uh, Roberto, I I got to watch them and know them when I was younger and I get to see them now when I'm at a higher level and they're at a high level, like higher level competing. So it's cool to have like grown up and, and they grow up too in the sport. So it it's really a, like a blessing. That's awesome. Cause, uh, I've, I've already heard from like a lot of the black belts around, um, that their, their peer groups, there's only like a few peer groups that, that like rise with them, um, towards yeah. the journey to black belt. Cause a lot of people fall out. So having that like generational community that you guys have, mm -hmm. that's, that's, yeah. that's just fucking amazing. Yeah. It's very lucky. Uh, the, yeah, that I watch them and I'll talk to them sometimes. Like I literally have pictures from when we're younger and we were competing at like local tournaments or like uh, like small tournaments, and then now we're competing at like super fights or or worlds or higher level tournaments together. So it's cool to see that we were able to all grow and do something in the sport and and stick with it. Yeah, you guys are going to uh, try to surpass the uh, the current big stars right now both like the gordon okay. ryan the, the craig jones um <laughs> so that's like cool. yeah um <laughs> going on to the next question um what stuck out to you as a white belt let's uh let's start with your um uh, expectations did it meet your expectations when you started jujitsu did it not uh, well, what, for me, when I was younger, I was like six. So my only expectation was really, is it fun? Um, and it was, I think when you're young, like it's a, a new, when I was younger, it was a newer sport. It wasn't as common as it was now. So it was definitely something I never thought I would do. And it was fun. And, and I got to be around a lot of kids and I got to learn how to defend myself. And I, I expected to have fun and I expected to learn that, but I also, I it exceeded my expectations, but I didn't expect that I would be like more confident. Like I used to never speak at all. Like I was so, so quiet. And then I learned like with jujitsu and like knowing that I knew how to defend myself, I was more, I got confident and I feel like it really exceeded what I thought I was going to gain from it. Like I learned a lot about like myself. I learned about respect. I learned a lot of life lessons in the sport and it wasn't just, oh, it's just like a random thing I do every few days gotcha gotcha um what were some strengths that stuck out to you when you started jiu-jitsu because i know a lot of people going into jiu-jitsu some of them have um a keenness to a certain move or a certain type of game like for say for example a d1 wrestler who just came into mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu they're they're uh one of their number one strengths is uh never being on the bottom like they're they're mm -hmm for a top game uh mine happened to be chokes i i love choking um uh, i suck at arm bars and kimuras <laughs> um what were some strengths that stuck out to you when you started i think one of my strengths was that since i was so young i was so open to trying new things that i was like oh i just want to have fun and i just want to like do whatever comes to mind so i felt like i was super just creative in my mind i would just do whatever and have fun with it and and be open to trying new things. Technique wise, I feel like I've always been super like wanting to play on my feet. Uh, and I feel like I copied my first coach a lot. Like I used to just copy his game and I feel like I 
was like a little, I was so small, like such a small little girl. And I just would like to wrestle and like, like try to take everyone down. And I feel like my standup was something that I felt was strong. And then later on, I ended up wrestling and doing all that. But before I wrestled, I just loved being on my feet and just trying to figure it out like a puzzle. So I feel like I just was creative in that aspect. Definitely see that, um, especially in your fight um, last week. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, uh, it was last week. Yeah, last week. No, I want to say um, it's the week before. Somewhere, your recent fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely saw the uh, the top game uh, devastation that you had, um, especially being able to trans smoothly transition from like mount to back and in whatever position that she tries to escape from you were able to hold it uh so top is definitely i definitely see that in you um what were what was a weakness that you saw starting out that you're like oh i might need to work on this uh in the future because i know this Um, sticks out yeah i think one of my weaknesses when i first started was, uh, I was very just, uh, I would, I think that I just wanted, I was just like, let me get my points and then just not do anything. Uh, and just kind of just worry so much about points and be scared to like take risk and everything. And I feel like that I didn't really fix that until I started doing super fights. Uh, I feel like when I started doing super fights, I was like, Oh, they don't count points. They don't, they don't care about that. And it's not exciting. So, so I feel like at first I was very like, I wanted to, to, to like fight, but I never really felt like I felt like I would go for submissions, but after I got a bunch of points or I would get scared to like take those risks. Uh, but I feel like now I, I don't feel like that I have that anymore, but I feel like when I first started, I was very scared to take risks. Cause I was like, Oh, I have a good position. Like, I don't know if I'm going to lose it. Like, I don't want to like take a risk and lose it. So at first I was, very, I didn't like to to take risk at all. Gotcha. Risk taking. Uh, so you could say that um, that's definitely helped you out in the submission grappling world because uh, mm-hmm. that's 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 what's gonna blow up. Uh, I think so. Um, IBJJF, although it'll still be there, um, submission grappling like EBI and such, like think that um that helped you out uh just taking more risks yeah when I started doing more super fights I feel like I would win but I would wouldn't be as exciting and I think that when I started like opening up and and wanting to be more aggressive and wanting to like be more fast-paced that that's when when people started liking to watch me more and I started even liking to fight more like like to compete more and I feel like if you watch things like who's number one, especially who's number one, all the matches are so exciting. Like everyone is like going for submissions. And like, even if you watched, uh, I think it was Cade versus Ethan, like there were some crazy submissions like thrown out there and like everyone was like going for submissions. I think there was like, uh, they said that it was like their highest submission rate from the, all the who's number ones. But I feel like going like, that's what's taking like jujitsu, the super fights to the next level because it's all about being exciting and going for submissions. And it's not like IBJF is more people play it safe because you want to win. 
so you, you, you stall a little bit more, you are more cautious about your points. Uh, so I think the submission grappling is, is going to take it from like being a smaller sport into something that a lot more people watch, like, you know, MMA wrestling, like UFC, that those type of events. I, I've definitely heard it from um, John Donner about how uh, submission grappling is definitely something that's putting uh, jujitsu on the map um, in par on par with MMA because yeah. to be honest, no one no one wants to see uh, someone get past and then having to stall there so that uh, yeah. they could keep their points. People want to see a finish, and uh, um, it's kind of that like gladiator gladiator aspect. You know? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think that that people want to see a submission and then it's a clear winner anyways. You can't argue it. It's not like a someone holding 50-50 the whole time. It's action. Like you want to see someone like get a definitive win. And yeah, I definitely agree with, with what he said. Next question. Um, what made you keep going and sticking to jiu-jitsu? Uh, what's your jiu-jitsu why? I think... I, I feel like I've always felt like super passionate about the sport. I always feel like I, ever since I was little, I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to be a world champion. Like I, my coach, my first coach I ever had, he used to compete all the time. Like, and he would travel everywhere. He would do all the IBGF opens and go to Paris and Rome and, and Brazil and everywhere. And I would see him competing and, and getting all these medals and, and traveling. And I always was in awe watching like all of these, like, like black belts, like winning all these tournaments and, and being the best. And I think it helped that I had a lot of friends that would compete regularly with me. So I would go to my tournaments and I'd see my friends that are on my team. And then I would make friends that maybe train at a different gym or are also always at tournaments. So I always had my friends and made like a little community of jujitsu friends. And so we would always compete together. And I feel like having my friends and then the more I competed, the more I just felt like it was, I don't know. It was just my passion. I feel like that's my why is that I just want to show my jujitsu and then spread jujitsu. Like if I can teach someone something or if someone can see my jujitsu and learn something from it, then I feel like I, I did something. I don't know if that answers the question at all. (laughs) It kind of does. It really does. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, when I compete, it's very humbling uh, whenever people, I, I don't know, take the time to watch me, uh, because they don't have to do that. And, you know, I could, my match could have easily been like the time they go, like get something to eat or like go to the restroom or something. And, and they tuned in and, and they support or people just taking time out of their day to message me. It's very like motivating now. And I think when I was a white belt, like I got to see my coach living, like, his jujitsu life and, and doing actually will st- be able to do more in the future. And yeah, I just feel like it's something that comes from like inside, like, especially if you're a competitor, like you're like, okay, this is like my call. And this is my life. Uh, so what I got from that was um, you took the more uh, inspiration route and uh, showing people you walk the walk and uh i can do it anyone else can do it and uh hopefully take some inspiration from that in order to implement their game um because i've noticed there were there's some people there's like the inspiration route like you 
like you are um and like the instructor route because people like to teach so it's um mm-hmm. i like how the route that you've taken is definitely involving the sport in a way that a lot of people watching and uh hopefully trying to emulate what you're doing so that they could further the sport mm-hmm. yes i think that also like when i was younger there weren't that many girls like I started like 2008 there were girls obviously Hanetzak like Leticia like I Bia was already doing well Mackenzie and stuff but there weren't as many girls as there were today and there's still like there's still like more girls coming and so I feel like like even like see, like seeing the girls jujitsu grow I feel like I'm still lucky to be a part of that being uh still a relatively newer thing that's growing and I have friends that are like black, like black belts that are better than me. And I watch them like do things like for the sport. And I'm like, hopefully like I can do that too. And like show, especially for girls, I think because jujitsu is so vital for girls. Cause it's, I think it's a very good for your confidence and for you to know how to defend yourself. Um, but I hope that I can like help girls as well. Uh, female representation in this sport is definitely something that I saw that is much needed. Um, unless, uh, you're someone who dives into jujitsu and want to know all the best players out there, um, someone from the outside looking in, there's not a lot of like names that really pop out uh, when it comes to females. Um, cause everyone knows Gordon Ryan, Marcelo Garcia, Hodger Gracie, Greg Jones. But like when you, when someone asks, oh, hey, are there any any uh, jiu-jitsu females um, that compete um, for a commoner looking in, they'll probably thinking, oh, Mackenzie Dern and Gabby Garcia. And that's about it. And uh, especially with the new wave of females uh, in your generation, I, I definitely believe uh, that will break through the, the wall that just warm a lot of females coming into the sport as a inspirational competitors like you are. I hope so. All right. So uh, the next question, um, did you compete uh, in the beginning when you were, uh, like you said, uh, six years old um, as a, as a white belt or uh, did you wait a little while until you finally started? Uh, I competed, I think a few months after I started. Uh, thankfully uh, I was young. My mom would just sign me up for tournaments. Uh, I was, uh, I think I was part of a competition school. So everyone, and my mom started me pretty early. And thankfully, I think the first tournament I did was a Naga in 2008. And I won two swords. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world for me to have like two, two little swords. And I have like, I still have like so many pictures of like just me as like a little like seven-year-old holding like the biggest swords ever. And I thought that was so cool. And my mom, thankfully, she make me compete regularly until the point I thought it was just like something normal like it was routine for me to compete and it wasn't something that I had to like think about or like um she didn't really give me a choice she was like oh you want to compete she's just be like oh you have a tournament coming up and I think that really helped me because it got me it, it helped me build a tournament mindset make that a routine thing, not something that I had to later on be like oh do I want to compete? Am I ready to compete? It was just something that I'm like, okay, it's something that, that I just do. Oh, so it's more of uh, that mindset of, of the parent who uh, 
pushes the kid into the pool and like, hey, you better swim now. Versus like, oh, yeah. let's, uh, let's let's let you uh, get comfortable at the shallow end first. Um, yeah. That's awesome, though, because it's like strap in, bucko. You're going to compete no matter what. And uh, now you're you look calm whenever you step onto the mat. Yes. Um, yeah, do you no. think? Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm just lucky. My mom like would sign me up and sometimes I'd be like, mom, like I, I was like, I I'm nervous, whatever. And, but when you compete more, I think it, she, she knew like I was like six, like she knew that it would help me be more comfortable in the future. If this was something that I was serious about that. So then I was used to competing and then she would make me compete like multiple divisions. And, and I think that like for parents, like if you have your kids compete regularly, it's something that when they get older, they're not as nervous about. And it's just something that they just feel like is like, okay, I'm competing. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so your advice for people wanting to compete, do they compete sooner than later or should they get some, uh, let's say a little bit of experience underneath their belt? Uh, let's say two or three, maybe even six months in before they should start competing. I would and definitely why? say get Oh, I definitely would say you should get a few months and I don't really recommend signing up like for jiu-jitsu and then signing up for a tournament. Uh, I think that you should definitely, it'd be a conversation that you should have with your professor. Your professor will know, like he'll kind of gauge, like if he thinks that you're ready. Cause I think you do need to build fundamentals, like and fundamental standing up, no basic uh, sweeps, basic passes, like have like a, a good this before you go compete. I think maybe like six months is a good, like, uh, range. I think it, it depends too. Like if you're like a kid or a teenager, an adult, like the divisions are a little bit different. Um, like a white belt kid is, hasn't trained, probably trains like a, like the, the range of belt from going from like a white belt to a gray belt is a lot shorter than a white belt to a blue belt. So the range of technique is a little bit different. So for kids, I think you can start a little bit sooner for adults, probably like a little bit more, like a little bit more time just to build basics. So, you know, you have like a, a chance to go out there and, and be confident that you know what to do and you just don't go out there and you're like, I know like three techniques. Uh, so I, I, I do think you should compete as soon as you can. So you start getting a feel for it and you can see like what's working and what's not because competing is definitely the best way to learn. And I think everyone should do it at least once. Like, even if you're not a competitor, I think you should like compete at least once or twice. Um, so going on to the next question, um, who are some people who influenced you in the beginning and, uh, what was some of the best things that you learned from them that changed you, whether it be mindset, life, or even just jujitsu? Um, my first coach ever, um, I started at a gym called Alvarez. Um, my first coach ever was a black belt named Daniel Alvarez. Um, and, um, he was he's a spirit, you know, he like, uh, competed all the time. And so for me, like I watched him be super disciplined and he would give us like talk. And sometimes it was a little, uh, I felt like it was a little exhausting to always hear him give like motivational speeches. And like, we would train listening to motivational speakers instead of music and listen to like Rocky every day or like uh, all the cheesy like songs. But I feel like when I was growing up, I like saw someone who was disciplined and was able to like see someone who's disciplined, see someone who, who talked about eating right. He would talk about like having a strong mindset and doing the work. 
And like, he really like helped me build a mindset on the mat and off the mat where I felt like, um, it was good. Cause I had him close by and he would give me tips and he it has wonderful technique. He is, he was a really good coach and he was probably like why I give a lot of credit, why my jujitsu is the way it is and why my mindset is the way it is because he really like, he competed all the time. His daughter competed all the time. And then he would bring in other people like other black belts that teach at our gym. And that was really helpful. Uh, cause I would say my other like inspiration I think would be Leticia because she was the first girl I saw that was like super up there and amazing, like black belt. And I was like super amazed by her as a uh, competitor and as an instructor, like that she was making like high level competitors, like, like Bia who, and she was just this like strong, powerful woman and that I wanted to be like her when I grew up. Cause I was used to seeing like guys, like just seeing all these like high level guys, like you say, like most, if when you're looking outside, like you just know like the big names and they're usually guys. So she was one of the big ones for me. So I think that I would say my first coach and her were like a lot of my, my big inspirations like that, that helped me like see what I wanted to be like when I grew up. And I learned a lot from both of them, like watching and like seeing them myself. Gotcha. Gotcha. So your first coach, David Alvarez, set that, that, um, that mindset in you, um, that basic building block foundation that made you the competitor that you are now. And, uh, Leticia was that, um, that figurehead that you were like, Oh, I want to be here someday. Cause, uh, there's not a lot of like female competitors at that high level. And she was one of the first few females that you saw. You're like, you know what? her I want to be like her yeah I think, um, yeah definitely okay so we're gonna get into a little bit of the nuance on training because um a lot of people I've seen in podcasts they talk about what the training is like very vaguely and they just breeze by it I mean it's it I get it there's like the journey is always um, more important than the nuanced training. But if someone wants to become like a competitor like you, um, what was your training like? How many sessions did you do each week? Uh, the intensity intensity versus drilling. Um, let's, let's start with uh, how many sessions did you do each week and uh, how intense did you go versus how much drilling did you do? Um, during the week, I usually train like twice a week if I can. Sometimes it's not always twice a day if I have like privates or if I have something to, something else that I have to do. Uh, uh, so usually twice a day, like during the weekdays. And then on the weekends, I just train once in the morning. Uh, on Saturday and Sundays, I train once in the morning. So I think like I would say 12 or 13 training sessions a week. And uh, the can intense, you repeat that? Uh, I think I, I train like two times during the weekdays and then once on the weekends. So I think that's like 12, 13 classes a week if I can. And I wow. think I try to, I try to do intense training. Uh, if I can, like, I know if I'm like getting tired, I'll, I'll slow it down a little bit or, uh, I've been competing a lot lately. So during like 
the few the last few days before I train uh, before I compete, I'm obviously going to be cautious about that. And I'll do more drilling and more speed drilling than high intense rolling because I don't want to get hurt. And I want to make sure that I'm I know that by that time, there's not much you can do in three days that are going to change. So that's just tightening up. And so usually I don't have it uh, drilling and just uh, tightening things up. Wow, that's a lot of sessions each week. Um, that's, oh man, I just can't imagine the, the amount of soreness that you, that you go through. Um, I tried doing this thing as a, as a white belt um, that Nick Komolatos did, which is uh, 60 jiu-jitsu sessions in 30 days. Because usually people who are upper belts have done that before, but people who are white belts haven't mm-hmm. done that before. And my body hurts so bad. Like yeah. I think my 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 cap by like my max was twelve sessions. Yeah, I'm doing fourteen, and I'm like, nah, I need a rest day off. Um, this, yeah. this rolls into the next question. Um, how do you like? What's your injury prevention in order to not get hurt uh, or not get burned out? Um, I. Luckily, I feel like I don't have too much of one. I make sure that I stretch and I'm lucky that we have two really amazing physical therapists that train in our gym pretty regularly. So if I do feel like I have an injury, they can always look at it. I make sure that I stretch. Um, I, if I feel like I, we have like massage guns at the gym and, and rolling things that like rolling ball, like not balls, but the little, I don't know, foam rollers. to roll your back. Yeah. Foam rollers. Sorry. They're like words slip my mind, but like, uh, those little things that to make sure that we're stretching, we do a, a warm up of our gym. It's kind of long, but it really makes sure that we're loose and that we've kind of warmed up enough where we, we don't get hurt. And if I start feeling like an injury or something, me and my coach are very, we have really good communication where I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of feeling, feeling this injury and we'll work around it so that I can still train, but I don't risk getting injured even further. So usually I just uh, stretch, roll it out, make sure I warm up, and that works for me. <laughs> hey, that's a simple plan. Um, do you guys do, like, cool-down stretches right afterwards as well, or do you guys, um, as soon as you break from class, uh, you get back home? We we don't really have, like, a uh, one that we do as a class, but after the afterward in training a lot of the time a lot of us stay on the mat and are always like drilling a little bit after or like cooling down in a sense of like working on some things and stretching and and just hanging out so we do i feel like a lot of the time the team does end up stretching and all that but it's just not an official thing that we do it's more like individually we all kind of know how our body feels and we'll stretch it out or like like, Hey, this is what I feel. Or like, Hey, can you pop my back? Or, Hey, like, can you, like, uh, let's drill or, or like cool down or something or it, but we don't have an official one. It, I feel like we kind of do it on our own at my gym. Gotcha. Uh, you were talking about, uh, training around injuries. Um, have you trained, um, while, while you had a, an injury before, uh, have you had any injuries? Um, uh, yeah, I got injured. I would say, I think it was 
in 2018, I hurt my hip really bad where, um, right. I hurt my hip at hands, I think. And so I couldn't, I think of that year I missed world. I was doing physical therapy. Um, so I had to do, I had to sit out for a couple months, I think like two months I couldn't train and I was doing just physical therapy and that helped because I could have prevented it if I had been smarter because I had been feeling it already. And I didn't, I didn't like take care of it the right way. And that's why I ended up taking a break. And I've learned like if you're injured and to a certain extent, of course, like if you start feeling something, uh, if you take care of it, like you, you work with like bands or if you stretch it or, or if you just let it rest a few days, you can usually like, uh, let it heal and, and not let it go further. I try to train. I've been thankful to not have gotten seriously injured, uh, lately. So if I do feel something, uh, I just communicate that with my coach and he'll, uh, he'll be like, okay, if you know, your arm hurts or your, your hip hurts or your leg hurts or something, then well, like, does it hurt when you do this movement? Okay. Then let's try this movement. Like, does this type of passing work? Like, and it feels good. Like, cause sometimes like, when you're compete, like if I'm competing or if I have agreed to do a super fight and I'm, maybe I'm not like a hundred percent, like if I'm still like 70%, 80%, like I'll still compete, but I'll just change my game a little bit and adjust it. So I like to train, I'll still train. I just am a little bit more cautious so that I can let this, whatever part of my body hurts heal a little bit and like give it time and not stress it too much. Cause I feel like a lot of the time competitors are like, Oh, I'm injured, but I have a tournament. So I'm just going to keep pushing through it. And that's when you strain yourself and that's when you get injured and you're out. Whereas if you just like made a few adjustments or, or did like some uh, recovery on the side, uh, you would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine since uh, in jujitsu, everything's about hips and then you had uh, your hip uh, injured. Um, yeah. That, mu- that must have been a crazy way to train, especially yeah, with the hips it, being injured and such. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it sucked, but I learned a lot about like uh, my, like how to train. I learned a lot about taking care of myself. It was a good awakening call. I think I was like 17. So I just thought I was like invincible and, and I could just keep training. So it was a good, like, wake up to be like, okay, like, you have to, like, take care of yourself, like, do strength conditioning, like, do physical therapy, like, make sure that you're taking care of your body and not straining it. So it definitely, it was not a injury, like, the hip is, like, you do use your hips a lot. So it sucked, but I did the recovery, and, and now I'm good. So now I know to take care of myself, so, like, I don't get injuries like that again. Hey guys, so the sponsor for this podcast is none other than your host. If you would like to support this podcast, please share it. Um, share it to your family, friends, your fellow gi wearing, finger taping, no gi sliding, friends and family from your jiu-jitsu gym. This exposure will definitely help bring out to the big names in jiu-jitsu currently so that I could help bring out great quality content right to you guys because to be honest all I want to do is share great content and information in order for you guys to become a better jiu-jitsu player so please share it please like it please rate it in whichever place you listen to this podcast from and critique and comment down below on how I can do better on this podcast now back to the podcast so you were you just mentioned um 
doing strength exercises and such um, with being able to train twice a day, uh, 12 sessions a week. Um, how does uh, fitting in um, cardio or strength training? Um, and I don't know, uh, you work, go to college. How are you able to fit in all these sessions? So that, you know, when, let's say a competitor adult wants to put their heart and soul into this whole com competition thing, but, you know, they have a family or like they have work. Um, how, how do you manage your time? Um, I'm very thankful. Uh, right now, I'm a full-time athlete. Uh, whenever I finished high school, um, I, I talked to my family, I, uh, my parents, and I agreed that I'm going to take a year, focus on my jitsu. And if it's a career, then I'm going to keep at it. And if not, or if I choose, I want to go to college, then I'll go to college. So right now I'm just focusing on my jitsu. And so I have a lot of time just to dedicate to this, which I understand a lot of people don't have that blessing. And so I keep that into consideration. Um, I like to do like cardio um it's like i feel like it's like a good stress reliever um morning like it, i like to wake up like no one's like really like seven i feel like people are just like waking up like it it looks really pretty outside like we'll go for like a quick little run or uh hit cardio i really like it and it it's intense but it's kind of it's not that long it's but probably not more than an hour of like intense like, cardio no i don't but I know that's a really good cardio. I know a lot of people really, really go like, like that. Uh, I personally like running and hit. I think that I do that more, but I know a lot of people at my gym, especially like to swim. And I heard a lot of people recommend swimming, which is something I probably need to try, <laughs> like need to go out and like, like go out and do. Um, I feel like if you can fit it in, you don't have to train like two times a day. Sometimes like if I'm not feeling it or if I have like a private or something, then I, I'll take a day off or like if I'm like, hey, like I'm not really like I don't feel like training. I'll go like do a workout like that will still benefit my jujitsu and it'll still help me. But like if I'm like, OK, like I'm stressed, like I have like this coming up and, and I, I just don't I'm like, I don't want like feel motivated to train. I'm like, OK. I'll go, I'll go on a run. I'll go do this hit workout or something during that time. Because I feel like people can get overworked if you're like training twice a day and you're like trying to do cardio in between and like, like doing a bunch, especially if you, if you have a job, if you have kids, like you're coming home to like kids or you're like have that it's harder to do. So I feel like finding a balance between like what you can handle, like if you can do like cardio, like twice a week or if you can, like, if you're training like five times a week and cardio twice a week, like, or like finding like what you can do and what works for you, like what's helping you as long as it's benefiting it, you and not like, like, cause you can, if you're getting overworked, it kind of starts to harm you more than it's helping you. So I think just finding that balance is, is helpful. So when you were in, um, when you were in high school, um, because right now you're being, uh, you're, you're a full-time yeah. athlete, right? Yeah. Um, were you, was the training session still the, the same amount when you were in high school? How, <laughs> no. Okay. 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 Let's, let's <laughs> dive deep into that. Um, cause, uh, I feel like that, that has a lot more relatability to 
the people yeah. who, who are just starting out. Um, how did you um, uh, balance uh, high school and jiu-jitsu? Whenever I was uh, in high school, my mom thankfully made me stay in school. She didn't, she didn't let me homeschool. She was very big on getting an education. I think it's really smart and it's really good to be educated. So uh, I would go to school uh, and then I would do wrestling, which was it's intense. Um, I think my school, I think this year they were ranked number one in the state, I want to say, but we're always like ranked number one or two in Texas. And so it's a really intense program. So I would wrestle, I would do like lifting or cardio from like one to three and at school. And then I would wrestle from like three to five. I would get out of wrestling at five and then go to jujitsu at like seven. And it was a lot, but like to do wrestling and jujitsu, because I would do wrestling five days a week. And then jujitsu, I would do, I think six days a week. I think I would take Sunday off because I needed like a rest day. And, um, it, it was harder for me. I feel like it's hard to balance, but it's not impossible. Um, but I was also in a academic program. So I wasn't exact, I was in high school, but it was also like a kind of collegiate uh, program. So I was, it, it was a little bit hard to balance, but it's definitely possible. I think that if you stay on top of uh, the things you have to do and, and if you make your training count, Like you'll see that some, like you'll see that some high level athletes, they don't train like from the, the sun, when the sun comes out to the sun goes down. Like sometimes they take a day off, like you to be like, as long as you're making your training count, I think that's what matters. Like if there were days where I'm like, I have a lot of homework and I had a really intense wrestling session, I have priorities. I had to get my schoolwork done. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get my schoolwork done. Um, or if there were days where I'm like, okay, like I, I cannot train this day. It was, I was not hard on myself because I'm like, okay, like I'm trained. Like I, at least I got a training in, um, and it, it can be, I think back then it was a lot. Now I'm, I can spread it out a little bit more, but back then it was like harder. <laughs> I can, uh, kind of attest to that especially um currently I, I work for the military and uh when i was trying to do the uh the 60 day like the two a day and sometimes even three a day um uh jujitsu sessions and then having to go to work the next day having to wake up like at 5 45 and then go, go to work at seven and i'm like oh, this is a lot and uh i can't imagine having to do like tests on top of that kudos to you because that's a lot uh, it's definitely s stressful but i think it it helped it helped me build a stronger mindset and then be grateful now that i don't have to <laughs> be that stressed yeah um so going on to the next question um a new white belt joins your gym right what things should they do to set themselves up success? Uh, any specific equipment? Um, should they learn the custom courtesies of the, uh, the gym beforehand? Um, should they research about basic survival positions, uh, uh, different movements? 
let's let's just start with uh, equipment and custom courtesy. Um, for me, I think usually you can get most of the equipment you need at your gym. Usually, I think the only thing you really need to train, you need water, you need no gi gear, you need a gi, and you need a belt. If you have all that, you're good to train. Um, so I feel like that's all the equipment you need. That's I think that's all the equipment I usually have. I don't really use tape. I don't really use anything. I just have my nogi stuff. I have my gi stuff, and I have my water, and I'm good. Uh, I think that's kind of all you need for like that's all you need to train and and be ready for class. Shit, I know some people coming into uh, the first few weeks and they forget water, and yeah, I'm then, like, oh man. <laughs> You're going to die after rolling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely recommend water. I know some people like electrolytes or like Gatorade or anything, but I feel like as long as you just have just water, you're good. You can't go wrong having having it with you. And <laughs> Have you seen that meme where it's like uh, that sip of water um, right after the warm-up and it shows like this, this monkey <laughs> just like just like enjoying the water? I haven't seen it, but I could definitely like feel like I, I resonate with that feeling. <laughs> um, I truly believe that uh, that Gatorade and Powerade is uh, definitely needed, especially after you've uh, if you roll more than like five rounds. Um, definitely think Gatorade and Powerade is super necessary. Um, so, okay, the next one. Um, basic survival positions movements um should they research that before coming in or should they just learn from the from the they should just be a blank slate and just oh um i feel like you can research it if you want to know more information but i think that like uh when you go on the mat you should definitely just listen to your professor because they're they have like different gyms have different ways that they show like different like fundamental things that they show so uh, you definitely don't want to go in the gym and be like, I already know all these things that you saw from YouTube or uh, that you just like saw. I think it's cool to like make like be a little bit aware of like uh, if you watch it, you like, oh, kind of kind of know like the the vibe of it. Uh, but I feel like, you don't know, like usually if you go in, most coaches have like a, th- things that they already know that they're going to show someone who's never seen jujitsu before things that uh that'll be very helpful in like getting them engaged and uh, that it's basic enough for them to understand. I think you, you, so I don't think you need to like research anything, but I think because uh, most coaches have like a basic things that they show people their first day or weeks, that's easy for them to understand and, and will be beneficial whether they stay with it or not. So you heard it here, guys. Uh, none of the backflip flying triangles uh, in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> do that later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, type of, <laughs> um, what type of mindset should they should they have going in as a white belt um, uh, for the next few months of training? Other than they're going to get smashed. Yeah, I think that it's all about not having an ego and being open to learning and not getting frustrated because I think that I've learned that it's a blessing to not be the best in your gym. If there's other people that are better than you, that means that there are people in there that can teach you things you don't know and people there that can help you. You don't need to be the best in the gym. Like 
at all. You don't need to be number one in your gym. You need to be number one in like your division or your category when you compete. But in the gym, it's all family. I think you should like you realize that everyone there is wanting to get better and they're willing to help you. So to just if you you come be consistent, like if you're disciplined and you come, that the results will 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 follow and just be patient because it can get frustrating when you're beat up and you're like, everyone's better than me, but then slowly, you know, you're going to learn things. And then, and that person that used to tap you 10 times only taps you like five times or that person that they always get you on a sweep then Oh no, they're not sweeping me anymore. And then eventually you, you will see results and, and it'll, it can be slow, but it'll happen. So I would definitely say to be patient and, and be humble and have like, don't have an ego, be very, very open minded to, to and, and yeah. <laughs> Do you think uh, people should crawl, walk, run um, when it comes to, uh, let's say they start out, let's do two sessions and then uh, next few weeks uh, just do that and then upgrade to like three sessions and then four sessions. Or did you go balls to wall 12 sessions right from the beginning? What, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, when I was younger, I think we only had Monday, Wednesday, Saturday classes whenever I first mm-hmm. started. And then like, especially when I like back then, I don't think there were as many. Cl- it wasn't normal to have classes like all the time. Uh, now it's like normal to have classes at like six in the morning all throughout the day, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, and uh, but I used to do three times a week. And then whenever uh, I think we added like classes during the week and then we like I think it's better to start like two three classes a week and then if you're like okay I handle this and it's fine like I don't feel drained I feel like I can do some more then you add some more and if maybe you add too many classes you're like oh I feel super drained and like okay it's fine like go back to like figure out your balance of how much you can train without being overworked because if you feel drained then you're not going to want to come and if you're at a training session just because you feel like you have to be there then you're not going to you're not going to be giving it your all. You're going to be there and you're going to just be drained and be like, oh, I, I just want the time to run out so I can go home. And then you don't gain anything. So I definitely do believe in the whole like crawl, walk, run and by slowly integrating it and seeing what works best for you. That's awesome. I know that um, for me, uh, I remember the beginning, I was dreading going to jiu-jitsu class and uh, I was like, you know what, let me just do three classes this week. And uh, one way that helped me to turn that into a habit was uh, um, I gave myself chocolate. Uh, as soon as I <laughs> arrive, I eat chocolate. As soon as I finish class, I eat chocolate. So I got, I had the little uh, chocolatey goodness uh, little right reward. after class. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Um, basically, uh, dog trained myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'll have to like do that next time I don't want to go to class or like give myself a chocolate. Hey, Pavlov's <laughs> dog. There we go. Psychology. Okay. Uh, so the next questions that I have is for mostly professors, but I'm guessing since you're a brown belt, you teach a bit. Um, you're you're one of those like side coaches. Sometimes I've taught a few classes, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself like a, a regular coach. Okay. 
So um, just put yourself in the shoes of your coach. Okay. Of, of, of the head honcho, the black belt of okay. the, the, the I, institute. I will, I will. Um, so question is for the white belts who've consistently trained for four months and up, represent. Um, <laughs> what expectations do you have for them? Uh, you see them um, slowly growing into the movements. They're they're starting to look like, oh, hey, these guys may be at a level where they might need to uh, start testing out for blue or they might need to start getting like a green belt or more stripes, whatever. Um, what are your expectations for uh white belts who've trained for um, quite some time? Um, I feel like um, definitely having uh, some, a, a good amount, like I would say three to five, like good, like uh, grasp on like five takedowns that they're good at, five sweeps, five passes, five like submissions from mount five submissions from guard like having like um one thing my coach my first coach would do is he would do belt tests so he would have like a list of techniques that he wanted them to know before and I feel like that's always stuck with me of making sure that you know those fundamentals I think that whenever you're before you get your blue you should definitely have a good knowledge on a lot like you should know how to like hip escape you should know how to like do like a scissor sweep like a bump sweep like certain techniques that are, are very vital you should you should have a good grasp on and uh i think that that's kind of how most coaches measure it on if they're because if the student is doing well but they're only all they do is like pull guard and like go for like a triangle or like do one sweep that's it then they're doing good in class but they don't have a good they don't have a wide enough knowledge to, to be a blue belt. And so let's say they want to compete at blue. They're not going to be as successful because they don't know um, all the techniques that they should. So I think it's about having like a good grasp on fundamentals at that white belt stage. So next question is um, it's very, this is a very like touchy subject, especially to those who are kind of like belt chasing or the people who've been at a level for a while without no promotion. Um, how should people go about asking whether or not they're ready for promotion? Should they just take it out and uh, let time um, and the coach uh, tell you when you're ready? Or should they ask their coach, hey, coach, uh, can you see where I'm resting, where I'm not, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I think that if you want to ask the the best to work on things that they your coach maybe thinks you need to fix we don't really mention the belt I don't really think because I think if it, it doesn't matter as much like obviously you want to get to the next belt it, it matters more about the techniques you know uh because you know nowadays you see like purple belts fighting black belts or brown belts fighting black belts like so so it's not always about like it's more about technique like and um you'd rather be like a more technical you know white belt blue belt than uh like a not ready purple belt i feel like uh it's a it's a better on one end i think if you ask your coach like hey like what, what do i need to work on what do you think i need to fix 
then they'll help you and then let you make those corrections and they'll be like, okay, they're making progress. Uh, they're ready for their next. I personally wouldn't ask like when my next book is done. Now that I'm a Brahma, I would hope he takes his a lot of his time uh, before. But um, your professor knows. Uh, they they've promoted. I was saying, I just think you're like your professor knows. Like they'll know when you're ready. So I think just asking like what you can work on and what you can fix is the best way to go about it. Question. Um, advice for white belts wanting to be world champs someday. Um, I definitely, okay. I think discipline is the biggest thing that you can learn is if you want to be a world champion, you need to be disciplined. Like you need to, if you want you, cause everyone wants to be a world champion on, on their best day. You know, you have a great training and you're like, I'm, I want to be a world champion, but then, you know, you have a bad day and you're like, I don't care that much. Uh, when you, I feel like when you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. And you're set, you need to be disciplined. If you're like, Hey, I'm going to train. You're going to train a lot of the times. Like if I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to train. I'll text my teammates and be like, Oh, are you going to be at practice? Like I'll be there. So then I already committed to other people. They know they expect me to be there and I'll be there. And I think discipline nutrition is a big thing too. I feel like a lot of people don't understand like the way you eat it really it affects uh the way that your like your weight is it it affects the way you move uh i think that is a big thing that i've learned over the years is that the way that i eat affects how i feel and i feel like it affects how i compete um so i would say wait so you're saying so you're saying you can't have whataburger every day and expect to be a world champion (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like i mean it yeah i wouldn't recommend you know, not like having like water burger McDonald's, like right before your match. I don't think <laughs> probably not the best route to success. Uh, hey, Andrew Wiltsey does a uh, Panda Express. So maybe there's a little bit of magic in that panic. For, for regular people, it's definitely uh, people. It's uh, nutrition and just like being patient and being uh, having like a having you win. more things to do and if you lose and be patient and know that just today wasn't your day it doesn't mean that everyone's better than you it means that they were better on you on this day and you make the correction of it i think if you're you're disciplined you have good nutrition and you you just have heart when you compete it'll take you a long way okay so i got a lot from that um so discipline um and you said something about uh texting your your teammates so accountability and nutrition not being too hard on yourself when you have bad days as well as having the heart yeah or just letting it all out there on the competition okay Okay, so the next question uh what are some things uh that you've done in the past that are implemented into modern day jujitsu school white belts very nuanced question um can can you hear me mm -hmm. okay so i think that's something back then that um i feel like i wish was like more now is i think that um what i saw back then a lot was my gym did belt testing i feel like a lot of gyms don't do that i think that would 
help a lot more is and if, uh like i think that that was a really cool thing like we they literally test for every belt and we would spend like a few months reviewing techniques and making sure everyone had a good grasp and i think that's good because it would make us understand the technique enough where we could teach it and understand it enough where he was like okay i know that all of my white belts all of my blue belts all of my purple belts knows uh, this big range of techniques and it's not just like oh like i'm not sure if they know these things or if like he went out like my professor would go out of town he would know that the brown butts and the black butts knew all the techniques that he wanted us to know and i think that i i see it still at some gyms some gyms still have belt testing but from what i've seen from like uh it's not as normal anymore as it used to be to like have it there's not that uh, set milestone that um, a purple belt should have or a blue belt should have before uh, moving on to the next level. Yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, I don't see it as much. And I think it it was like a really good like range. I do think. I mean, I still I love like watching people surprise get promoted if you win a tournament. I think that's awesome. Uh, but I feel like regular promotions like uh, I think it 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 would still be really good to see that. See, like testing just to make sure that you know everyone knows everything awesome awesome so we're wrapping it up with the uh last question for the uh white belts and then after that if you have time we can do discussions about the no deep hands that's coming up uh this week and you're competing um or uh anything else uh, jujitsu related um, so the last question is, what advice would you give yourself that would have helped you tremendously in the beginning? Uh, what, what advice would I give myself? You know, uh, I think that as I would give myself, um, I think about this a lot. I feel like I just like try to remind myself to have fun with it. I think a lot of the times when you get more serious and you get more high level, it becomes more like, oh, just think about winning and and all you think about is like it's stressful and everything so i feel like for me like if i like to i try to remind myself just to have fun and like that it's a sport and it's i do it because i like it and so like for especially like when i go into big tournaments like movie pans i try to remind myself like hey like go out there and have fun showcasing like what you know and I think that it's good for other people to remember that too, is like, you're doing this sport because you love it. So make sure that when you're out there that you're enjoying it. <laughs> Have fun and love it. Awesome, awesome. Well, that wraps up uh, all the questions for the white belt series. Um, so a little bit of questions on the no deep pants coming up. What are your expectations? How are you gonna come at it? Um, and uh, do you know your opponents yet? Um, I have looked at my bracket. I know one of my, I only have, uh, my bracket is three people, me and two other girls. One girl I have fought uh, a few months ago at the Orlando Open and the other one, I'm not sure. Uh, it's around Robin and they're both brown belts. So it's a higher level. It's my first brown belt major tournament. So I'm going to come at it a uh, very uh, aggressive and very ready for both of these girls to come out and give it their all. I know that uh, the rules are different now. This year, they're allowing heel hooks. So I'm aware of that. I know that there might be possible leg entanglements, which I'm not used to for IBJJF tournaments. 
Um, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to be aggressive and, and try to showcase my jiu-jitsu. And hopefully this year I've been doing really well and hopefully I can get my first major title at Brown and just, I'm just going to go out there and, and just do my jiu-jitsu and hopefully that day is my day. Awesome. Um, when it comes to your game, um, what are we planning to see here? Uh, another rear naked choke from the back, uh, heel hooks. I, I know I noticed that um, a lot of your um, a lot of your matches doesn't have a lot of uh, the modern day leg locks. Uh, your a lot of your submissions have been pretty traditional. Um, are we are we going to see any any modern day? Uh, Ashigaramis, as uh, as uh, John Donover would <laughs> uh, say. Yeah, I, I stick to my traditional stuff. Um, I definitely know the leg entanglements, and I've definitely still learning them at the gym. I play them a lot more in my gym. I feel like uh, I haven't really gotten in any leg entanglements. Um, whenever I've competed and if I get there, then I'll definitely go for something. Uh, I know some of the girls in my division, like leg locks from what I've seen. And so if they go for it, then I'm definitely going to be bringing it back like and trying to uh, attack as well. Uh, I think I'm going to play my usual, try to play on top, try to take down and, and play on top and pass. And, and definitely go for some more of the traditional submissions but if I do get in like a leg entanglement or anything like that, I'll definitely, I'm prepared and I'm ready to showcase that as well. I just haven't gotten a chance to yet. That's awesome. Hey, that traditional goodness always comes a long way, you know, it's simple. <laughs> yes, it's I mean, definitely. <laughs> have you, I mean, Hodger Gracie's game. Yes. It's just, it's yeah. So even like, yeah, even Lovato, I think in the road to who's number one, he was saying he has a very traditional game. And it still works at the highest level. So if it's working, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. So you said that, um, have you have you fought with um, the people who were, um, like you said, in your generational group, Ty, Cade, uh, um, Jessa. Um, I know Jessa's right now uh, a black belt. I, I think she she's a new black belt. And uh, she's been like going up against uh, people like Mesa Bastos. Um, she was gonna go against uh, Grace Gundrum. I I would have loved to see that. Have you have you uh, went up against them recently? Not in competition, but like trained with them. And how are they in comparison to where you're at and where you want to be? Um, I haven't got to train with a lot of them. I've trained with uh, the Tackets. Uh, they live in Austin, so. Um, during like uh when everything was opening up for COVID, i got to take a few trips to austin and train with them uh it was really cool william is very technical he's so so good at teaching and he definitely destroyed like beat me up and so did his brother uh, but it was very like cool to train with them same with cody uh still i didn't grow up with him but he's still like a high level person that i got to train with uh roberto um he's not in texas anymore but i just took a trip to vegas uh uh, right before after his number one and I got some training in with them and it's cool to see like the other like how we've all grown up and how much we've all changed like and and our games have changed and we get to exchange knowledge on like hey I do this and I'm good at this and hey you're really good at this like how do you 
how do you do this? Um, and the, for girls, uh, I used to compete with Jessa at Juvenile. Um, and we haven't ever met up since then. Hopefully, like, um, in the future, we meet up again and see each other because she's a really amazing competitor to watch. She's really tough. And um, I we used to go back and forth. So I think, uh, it's like, hopefully, like, in the future, like, I get to fight girls like her, girls like Grace and, and my son and see how my game really tests with theirs. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I guess uh, one last question that um, I'd like to ask you is because uh, I feel like we could go deep into uh, who is Jesse Crane, but um, I'd like to save that for another episode uh, someday. Um, um, we'll we'll do a deep dive look on who's who's Jesse Crane, but just to stick with the whole white belt series, which person are you? If if you'd like to call out anyone or someone who you'd like to compete up against, uh, say the name out right now. Just name drop them. Go ahead. <laughs> a bing. Um, I definitely, after who's nice, that I would like to fight any of the girls that are like top five, top five above. Um, I know that Justice Fighting Patty, uh, I think. Yep, Patty Fontes. Like, yeah, that, that's going to be a cool match. I, I hope to see how that plays out. Um, I want to fight any of the girls in the top five. I'm definitely willing to like work my first i think danielle kelly is ranked right above me so i think that would be a really cool match to make happen because i know that she's coming off a fight with jessa and i'm coming off my own fight at who's number one so it'd be a good chance for both of us to fight and you know if whoever wins you know goes and fights someone up there so i think me and her would be the most uh logical and most exciting match uh but any of the girls at the top i would definitely uh be be ready to go against and think would be an exciting match i don't like to call it names specifically just because they're all black belts so respectfully uh i would want to fight any of them hey you gotta have you gotta have that confidence you know because yes, uh I, yes i'm um, definitely confident <laughs> there you go there you go all right so uh, any parting shots, last things you want to say to the viewers, uh, especially on the first episode of Straw Hat Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I just want to say thank you for letting me be on it. It's super cool experience, my first like podcast. Um, and hopefully someone learned knowledge. It wasn't just me rambling. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just my team. Thank you to my team if any one of them chose to listen. Uh, but yeah, thank you for letting me be on it. It was a really good experience. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was an honor for you to be here. Um, I definitely know that uh, it was nervous for me because it's my first uh, episode. And it was nervous for you because it was uh, yes. your first podcast. And uh, cheers to uh, first experiences, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for watching. This was uh, an episode with Jesse Crane in the White Belt series. We'll see you guys in the next one.